0: to begin this podcast by acknowledging the traditional owners where we're recording the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and pay my respects to their elders past and present. I also wanted to warn Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners that this podcast contains the name of people who are deceased.
1: Unlike, for example, a criminal court case. A coronial inquest is really a search for the truth. It's inquisitorial as opposed to being about proving whether someone has done something. The inquest is run by a coroner. The coroner is the decision maker but also the coroner is involved in steering the investigation that happens before the inquest takes place and the inquest itself is a time when there's an analysis of the evidence from that investigation and there are also witnesses who are called to give evidence at the inquest.
2: To Law for Community Workers on the go. A series of podcasts designed specifically for community workers, health workers and anyone else who works to support people in their community. This series is brought to you by the Community Legal Education Team here at Legal Aid New South Wales, And our aim is to help you help your clients. So tune in whenever you can, in the car, on the train, at the gym, cooking dinner, basically wherever you already listen to podcasts. So we hope you enjoy today's episode and that you learned something new and interesting.
1: In New South Wales, there's over 50,000 people who die per year. There's only about 6,000 of those deaths that get reported to the coroner. Those deaths are called reportable deaths, and they're deaths such as deaths of a violent or unnatural nature, for example, a car accident, a death which is sudden and the cause is unknown, a death in suspicious or unusual circumstances.
0: David Evenden is the solicitor in charge of the Coronial Inquest Unit at Legal Aid New South Wales, and I'm Joshua Scotland from the Community Legal Education Branch. Today we're talking about coronial inquests.
1: Coroners throughout New South Wales then investigate these reportable deaths and only a very small proportion of them end up in inquests. So throughout New South Wales per year, we might have 80 or 90 inquests that get held. A number of those have to be held because they're mandatory inquests, such as a death in custody or a death in a police operation.
0: One such death was David Dungay. He was a 26-year-old indigenous Dungutty man who died in police custody and David Evenden was the family solicitor.
1: David Dungay was a long-term prisoner who'd been in custody for almost eight years. He was at some stage going to come up for parole, if not for the end of his sentence. During his time in custody, he developed some serious mental health problems. And prior to his death, he effectively became scheduled as a mentally ill person. Now, when that happens within the justice system, instead of being sent to a normal mental health facility, like a hospital, prisoners get sent to Long Bay Hospital. So he was there receiving treatment as an involuntary patient when the incident that led to his death occurred. A situation arose where he had taken a pack of biscuits and refused to give them back. Corrective services officers became involved. They called in an immediate action team. A decision was made to move him from one cell to another, to a cell with a camera, and a process then took place where he was restrained by this team of corrective services officers in what was certainly a dangerous position, moved from one cell to another. During much of that time, he was saying that he couldn't breathe, and then he was then restrained face down to be given some medication. And during that time and the struggle that occurred, he died. We got halfway through the inquest and had the assistant commissioner giving evidence and indicating that he was going to implement some immediate changes. So that's the way in which an inquest can work quite powerfully, is that we've had a commitment in evidence by the Assistant Commissioner in Dungay to train all IATs, that's these immediate action teams throughout New South Wales, in the dangers of restraining people in the way that Mr Dungay was restrained. And we've also had an indication that he would put together a working party to look at the operation of the mental health unit out at Long Bay Hospital because of the numerous issues that he was able to hear about when he attended the court hearing for Mr Dungay's death. So there are some very positive things that can come out of an inquest and they can happen quite quickly if particular agencies want to take that action.
0: What are some of the ways a coronial inquest could be considered successful?
1: Success in an inquest can also come down to the findings that the coroner makes and any recommendations that they make about changes that organisations or government departments can make in the future to try and avoid these sorts of deaths. When we look at representing people at an inquest we do obviously have some tests in order to grant legal aid because we're going to provide a lawyer and appear in court, and that can obviously take a number of days and a lot of resources to prepare for that matter. So the key test is actually our public interest test, which is that our representation at court of a family or um, whoever it is that's asking for our assistance, needs to be something that is going to advance the public interest. So we look at whether the inquest is going to cover what we call public interest type issues, it might be inadequacy in the health system, it might be issues with a police response to a certain situation or problems in the jail system, all of those sorts of things. And if a particular inquest raises those sorts of issues, then it will satisfy our public interest test. We also have other tests, such as a means test, which people need to satisfy, though there's actually some discretion when it comes to these coronial inquest matters in relation to that. But the key thing is to get in touch and we can determine whether or not it's the sort of matter where we can appear at an inquest.
0: How can a community worker help one of their clients get assistance from Legal Aid's coronial inquest unit?
1: If someone's listening, I would say just get in touch. We do a lot of work where we're providing advice and assistance to people in circumstances where the death involves the coroner, but we may not end up representing that person at Mm. the inquest. But we can help in a variety of different ways by referring people or assisting with communication with the court. There's no real test that prevents us from providing that sort of minor assistance.
0: What are some of the things that community workers could do to make your job easier?
1: There's always a role for people to support clients and family members. Community workers can definitely fill that role. As an example, I have a client now who is homeless and he gets assisted by various people. He came in some time ago with a community worker from an established organisation. And that sort of support is always going to help someone who needs that support. We have a whole range of clients that we see. There are some who are from very strong, cohesive families that don't necessarily need that level of support but there are others that clearly do. So each situation is different, but a community worker, by facilitating communication and supporting families, can really assist.
0: Shortly after a death has been reported to the coroner, families can get help from counsellors at the Department of Forensic Medicine. The family's views about autopsy procedures and other arrangements are sought. Later in the coronial process, counsellors from the coroner's court are available to assist families through a program called the Coronial Information and Support Program, or CISP for short. You can also contact your local GP for a referral to a psychologist or counsellor and ask them about the Medicare rebate that you can get. We have put the contact details for CISP and the Department of Forensic Medicine on the description of this podcast. David. What are some of the things that you and your team do to make sure that you're giving legal advice in a trauma-informed way?
1: We're not trained to be counsellors. We're not trained to deal with people's mental health concerns. So when we do deal with clients, we're trying to be as sensitive as possible. But effectively, we're relying on our experience and the sort of sensitivity that you need to communicate with people who are experiencing that grief. Sometimes that involves going slightly outside your role as a lawyer but it's very good sitting down with people and spending the time to understand them and understand their relationship to the deceased person. Being regular in our, our information that we provide and our contact with clients is very important because grief is obviously something that plays out over time and I think that regular provision of advice and assistance is important and just being human is important. You know, clients really appreciate that and clients understand when we engage with them in that way. Practising this in this jurisdiction itself can be quite challenging for lawyers because of the sorts of emotions involved. I think once clients come to realise that they can trust you and that you're on their side and that you're trying to find out what happened then that's really a positive step for them in their journey to deal with the grief that they're experiencing. Families in coronial inquests don't just need legal work done for them they also need the sort of support that's going to get them through the process so there's definitely a role there for whoever can support them.
0: I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. Inquests can cover a wide variety of deaths, including homicides, deaths in custody, deaths in police operations, hospital deaths, deaths in mental health facilities, suicides, deaths in disability care, and missing persons matters, amongst a few others. We have heard about the different types of coronial inquests where Legal Aid New South Wales can assist and how community workers can refer their clients to us.
1: Many clients do get a lot out of the inquest process. Before the inquest, often the clients will have particular views about how people have acted and whether what they've done was appropriate, and they read their statements and people can be very critical. And then after the inquest, they will have seen some of these people who might be arch enemy at the start and they might realise that those people have been trying their best or they might better understand why things have taken place.
0: The impact the coronial inquest process can have on an individual can be immense and I'll let Dave talk about that. For my part, I'd like to finish off with a quote from the findings of Deputy State Coroner Derek Lee that were published recently. Inquests and the coronial process are as much about life as they are about death. A coronial system exists because we, as a community, recognize the fragility of human life and value enormously the preciousness of it. Recognizing the impact that a death of a person has and continues to have on the family and loved ones of that person can only serve to strengthen the resolve we share as a community to strive to reduce the risk of preventable deaths in the future. Now I'll hand it over to you, David.
1: The best bits of feedback I had um, from a client was last year after we ran an inquest which lasted for three days and um, the clients had many questions before the inquest and at the end of the inquest it was adjourned for the coroner's findings and the client said we don't really mind what the coroner finds we've discovered and found out everything that we want to know from, from the inquest process and so that's that's satisfaction, and I think there can be a real therapeutic process that takes place during the inquest, and it's really nice to see people walk away having a level of satisfaction and having a level of closure, which can definitely be one of the products of the process.
2: Law of Community Workers on the Go is brought to you by Legal Aid New South Wales. Our aim is to help community workers, health workers, and anyone else who works to support people in their community know about the laws that affect their clients and the services that are out there that can best help. Now there's really only one way we can make sure that that information is relevant and helpful to your work, and that's with your help. So if you have any feedback for us, or maybe your clients keep asking you the same thing and you just want to know more about that topic then please get in touch with us. Uh, The email address is cle at legalaid.nsw.gov.au. Make sure you follow our podcast channel on either iTunes or the Podbean app. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our Law for Community Worker alerts to find out what webinars and podcasts are coming up. You can subscribe to our alerts by going to the Legal Aid New South Wales website, hitting the tab News and Media, and then just follow the links. Until next time, thanks again from the CLE branch here at Legal Aid New South Wales.